1: Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. hey howdy hey my brewing brothers and sisters what's up y'all howdy
3: oh <laughs> not there yet
1: oh, man, Michael, that made it Michael, worth it Michael. though oh, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta... green Cretans is tough to beat we gotta do, oh it is we gotta, we gotta do some work with you i, I don't know uh
0: all right. I, I have some uh, inspiration. You know, Jamil's Hey, Howdy, Hey comes from, I think it's Toys?
1: Comes, comes from uh, from Disneyland. I thought, uh, thought it was... Uh, we, were, uh, we were driving back from Wyoming, from a city in Wyoming. Place where they have the shoes made out of a dead man's skin. That place. And uh, I was driving back with my kids. And, you want to uh, repeat that? like Shoes made of a dead man's skin. You haven't seen those before? Oh, yeah, I have a pair of those. Size size 10 and a half. Oh, no, no, my dear. Yeah, there's a place where there's there's shoes made of a dead man's skin. So this guy was hung for whatever reason, (laughs) you know, know, robbing or whatever. And so the local, like, dentist or whatever, doctor, the mayor, I, I can't remember the story took a bunch of his skin and uh had some you know had it tanned and made had some shoes made out of them
0: there's a really good joke in that
1: here you go the man uh,
0: hung with his skin shoes whatever you know
1: no no it's it's a it's a real thing it's it's quite fascinating they also have a uh, uh god where, where am i thinking of oh but they have a, a, a you know like a territorial prison there you know one of the one of the Last operating gas chambers, operating. Uh, well, back in the day, okay. okay. Then they hung people, and you can see where they hung people, and then <laughs> and then they moved to something more modern, which is a gas chamber. And they still have the gas chamber there. You can actually sit in it. <laughs> so, and so I'm there with my two daughters. It got to be <laughs> that's like, the part I like. Got to be like ten and eight or <laughs> nine and seven, something like that, and. So we're taking the tour and probably 20 people there and they're showing us and they go, this is the gas chamber. And the last person was executed in, you know, 1950, 70, whatever. And they said, you know, X number of people were executed there. And they go, does anybody want to sit in it and get a picture? I'm like, yep. My kids are (laughs) like, yep and everybody looks at us like we are just like the the scum of the earth <laughs> like total disrespect or you know for for the people who died there well, like yeah, people who died there i don't know they were killed for for some reason i don't know right, right. and uh and so maybe they weren't the greatest of people i, I don't know if anybody innocent was uh, was executed there but <laughs> we are like yeah and so we're sitting there, you know, we, we each sit there and take pictures and everyone's just standing there judging us. <laughs> it was hilarious. But, you know, I will say sitting in a gas chamber where people were executed, it is a very weird feeling. I expect. Uh, it, it was, uh, it was Rollins. I think it was Rollins. Rollins, Wyoming? Rollins, Montana? Uh, forgive me a wonderful experience to uh, check it out it, it's just mind-blowing and you you sit there and they just kind of the weight of everything and just the oh, yeah. you know you, you think for a moment it's like what if i was here being gassed and it, oh, yeah. it really is uh, a very moving experience and i think the people who didn't sit there kind of missed out on you know kind of viewing it from the the people who were executed side of things. It's very easy to say, Hey, you know, you would know, execute somebody because they're bad people. You know, uh, you, you, you see from the other side a little bit, and maybe, maybe we shouldn't be executing people so quickly, or, you know, or, you know, maybe there's some other option. I don't know. But it was, it was pretty, pretty moving to sit there. And my kids say the same thing. And I, I think, you know, that was an important lesson for them as well. So Maybe, man, I'm not so bad. A parent, that uh, you know, we discuss these things afterwards. So,
0: so at what point did somebody say, "Hey, howdy, hey"? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, oh yeah. anyway, so we we're driving back, and then my, you know, my daughters are choosing the music, and my youngest daughter, <laughs> you know, she was into the Disney Disney tunes. And so we have okay, CDs of go. all the Disney songs from you know uh Disney themed songs from the <laughs> park or whatever they are, volumes one through thirty or whatever they are. And so one of them, the the songs has Hey Howdy Hey is, is one of the things in it. And so we're all singing along, and then she really loved the song. And I I said, Look, I'll I will use it on the show. Uh <laughs> so uh and so she's like, "You will," and she was really thrilled. And so I'm like, "Yep, I will." And so, uh, so I did, and it's it's stuck. And so I've been doing it ever since.
0: That might be your best story ever. That was outstanding. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I had a sorry, Mike. No, just... yeah, I had a mixed up memory on it. I knew it was Disney. I thought somehow it was Toy Story or something like that. And so the best thing I can do with my three year nine month old son is I could take from cars. He's, he, he loves to show cars. I could give you a ka-chow. ka-chow. Oh, there you go.
1: Now, see, now you're talking. Now, now <laughs> you have Now you have an intro. All
0: right. <laughs> I can do ka-chow. Uh-huh. Bam, man. Uh-huh. It'll have to be third, though, Michael. So you'll have to come up with something in between. There. I, I can finish it up with a ka-chow. <laughs> give a flash of the greasy forehead. ka <laughs> <laughs>
3: So I don't know. I gotta oh, gotta get on my Disney game so I can find something.
0: <laughs> that or that or you know some place that somebody was gassed, You know whatever your story is yeah, kinda... Your origin story is your personal thing,
1: right? All right. Speaking of origin stories, I'm not sure how it, it turned out that uh, Blickman ended up sponsoring this show and has continued to do it. I mean, every day I I figure, you know, Justin will go like, "Yeah, Blickman pulled the plug because." You know he's tired of paying for this crap, and uh, you know we'll we'll be off the air. I don't know. Well, we'll but he's he still writes the checks. God bless him. I love that man. He, he is he's a he's a fine dude. He again. You know the the interesting thing is these folks that we talk about. You know uh, they really do want. You know all brewers, home brewers and professional brewers, every brewer to make the greatest beer possible. And why? I think one, because they're nice people, but two, and it means better beer for them too. I think, and you know, they, they love the community and they love the hobby and they love the the profession and they want to contribute something to it to say when they on their deathbed, I actually gave back. I I made a big difference to the community and that's what Blickman's doing, you know, by sponsoring the show. I think he's, he's helped a lot. We've helped a lot of people throughout the years, brew better beer um, and uh, spawned a lot of, you know, small craft brewers out there. So, you know, I, a lot of that is, is you know, because Blickman has paid for the show. So everybody could listen to it for free, not be on a paywall. You get this for free. So that's that's all Blickman's dime that, that, that you're uh, enjoying. So and what I would like to say is if you get a chance, you go to BlickmanEngineering.com, check out the stuff there. If they don't have any local homebrew shop, go into your local homebrew shop and say, hey, can you get me this stuff? You know, or, you know, what do you think of this stuff? It's, it's good equipment. The guy, the guy doesn't you know, do anything halfway. He's a, a really smart engineer that has a great passion for doing this right. And one of the, the things, uh, the new products they've come out with is a three and a half barrel uh, tall boy. Fermenter for small commercial breweries. If you're open a commercial brewery, this thing will fit through a 36-inch doorway. This thing is taller, so it doesn't take up as much floor space. It actually has no ports on the back. They're all everything, every connection's on the front. You could tuck this thing up tight to a wall, tight to a corner, save space. You know, you 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 don't want to spend more on on square footage than you have to. So uh <laughs> ah tc you should just say that you just say it out loud he says <laughs> <laughs> go ahead say it out loud
0: i wonder who he'd, he modeled that tall skinny thing off of
1: well i don't think it's any of us i think we're all Not tall or skinny some of you guys are tall <laughs> none of us is skinny i think nope <laughs> <laughs> anyways so you know check them out everything from you know, really solid, basic homebrew equipment to, you know, the the great homebrew equipment with lots of bells and whistles to inventing new ways of doing things to, you know, great, you know, small uh, commercial brewing gear. Uh, Check them out, BlickmanEngineering.com. And if you get a chance, send them an email, feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. Tell them, thank you for sponsoring the show. Uh, Let's see here. Garth in the, in the chat was asking, um, what is, and if you're listening live, you can go to me on Facebook, just click on the comments uh, link, and then it pops up. You can ask your questions. You can see everybody else's questions as well. What's each of your ta- spicy takes on something in the brewing world, i.e. something popular or a held belief, but you disagree with it strongly? Let's start with Travis. I um, disagree with that's like common things common things people say and you know, when talking about brewing that you disagree with strongly
0: well you, you know when you met me Jamel I was I was a massive dick and I'm, I'm not quite that guy <laughs> these days
1: you're a so, much smaller dick now
0: exactly yes it's shrunk <laughs> and it's it's wilted you know so I I'm I'm not and you've had a lot to do with this I'm not passionate about what other people shouldn't be doing, but I'm, I'm very passionate about telling them what I do. And if 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 they don't want to do it, that's fine. Uh, I've had people like, "Why do you do that? Like, does it work? Because I've had good success. with like the beer. So I, I really, I really don't have this. Oh, that's crap. I've got some interesting questions. I really want to be on your Lalaman call if I can be on it. If I can get the time to be on it. So I've got some interesting questions, but I don't have any any that I don't think. Sorry, I'm glad you started with me so y'all can build it up better, and I just start it off.
3: All right, Michael, spicy take. I'm trying to think of something good, but I just I'm drawing a blank. Uh, you guys, will let me down here. We will come back to you. Yeah, <laughs> let me, let me. Oh man, I stink.
0: <laughs> well, not as much I as I do. do it's really good. hot in my garage.
1: No. Uh, so one of the things I I rant about uh, frequently was, um, you know, the fermentation dry hopping. I, I totally disagree with that. I think that, you know, when people were saying, when we we're first figuring out how to make, you know, a great you know, hazy beer, you know, one of the things was, oh, you have to fermentation dry hop because you get the bi- biotransformation. And so we actually, you know, Went ahead and did that. We did side by side batches of, you know, the dry hops went into fermentation, or the drops were held until the end of fermentation, then were added. Then, and then we did blind triangles with people, and we everybody every last soul picked the one that was dry hopped at the end of fermentation, not during fermentation. Their comment on the ones fermented during fermentation was that they were harsh and bitter and there was some weird off taste in them. They didn't like. And it makes sense to me because you're stirring the hops, hop material up the leaves. You've already extracted everything you need in the first few hours. And then you're just extracting all that leaf matter, nasty stuff. And it, it just, just is the wrong way to go. Instead, I keep advocating that if you want biotransformation, take all your your linalool and geraniol rich hops and put them in the whirlpool, extract out the, yeah. the, the that you know from them there, you know at one hundred seventy five degrees Fahrenheit or lower, and then that will be biotransformed during fermentation without all the leaf matter, which yeah. gives you the off flavor. So I really hate that people keep pushing this. Fermentation dry hopping. So that's that's my spicy take right there.
0: Well, uh, you know, the Phantasm people back you. Huh? Phantasm people back you. They tell you to add the Phantasm in the Whirlpool.
1: Oh, yeah, there you go.
0: And that's 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 file precursors, right? Right, right. That's right. that's there. I mean it's the, the linalool geraniol is the one of the two main we focused. I mean, there's many that you probably don't even know about biotransformation, but the other one's the file biotransformation. They don't say dump it in your fermenter, they say get it in your whirlpool. So yeah, I mean and, and and they and they go so far as to mash hop to get some recurses out of your malt. So you're talking about biotransformation that's going to happen in the fermenter it starts off with the mash in some people's concepts. We could probably have someone on here with a very spicy take on mash hopping also. You know, I'm not, I'm not Oh not yeah, frustrated. I hate
1: mash hopping. First, <laughs> first, first word hopping. Oh, first word that, that, oh, that's crap. Oh, that's crap. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I got, I got, I
3: think I got one. I got okay. two actually. Okay. So, you only allowed one. Okay. <laughs> well, I've actually gotten a couple times into kind of agitated, I guess would be, that that means it's spicy when you get all agitated at. Yes. I, uh, I really, really, really don't like when people say all hazies taste the same. That just, all, yeah, it's a, all the same. Yeah, that's or, nonsense. Or somebody says it's like, you know. It's not a good style, or or, or yeah, because they're all the same. And I just, oh, I just go into this big rant about all these things. <laughs> and and like you're saying with the 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 just the way that you make it, it's there's so many possibilities. There's so many ways to express the flavors differently and more complex and more interesting. It's like if you're tasting the same thing every time, I don't know what you're drinking, but it's not stuff I'm making or stuff I'm buying. So, right. That's I can that can expand on that. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's
0: the people who had three hazies and said they all tasted the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because I mean, there are I mean, we'll, we'll go into this. There's a new defi- there's a new name and not even that new. There's so many products you can buy to just dump right in your work these days. You don't just have to use hops. You can use incognito, you name it. And I think people abuse it. And I think a lot of those neapos do taste the same. Mm. But then there are the good neapos that don't all taste the same. So, yeah. So anyone. To me, anyone who says, oh, I don't like that style of beer, and they talk down about that style of beer as if it's a bad style of beer, they probably haven't had the good versions of that beer in general. Except for the fruited smoothie thing. They all
1: suck. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for a good one.
0: <laughs> you haven't given up. Good for you.
1: Uh, you know, after, after you know, living through the horrible hazies, and then I uh, tasted some good ones. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I'm now I'm seeing that, you know, the potential of this this style. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and now there's there's a lot of great ones now. But you know, there was a time there when there was a lot of bad ones. There well, there's still probably vastly more bad ones than there are really I great ones. I would agree ones. with that. Hot take. I mean, thousands of
0: breweries making thousands of shitty beers and but, some making exceptionally great beers.
1: You know, I learned that, you know, the same thing happened to me on hoppy Belgian beers. I was just like, oh. make a a really hoppy belgian beer without it tasting just horrible because you know the phenols and the you know the dryness and all that is really going to collide with you know a lot of the the, the various uh, you know characters of the hops and it's going to be horrible and then uh steve vicario in uh captain lawrence I had some of his beers so i'm like oh my god all right here's somebody <laughs> who knows how to marry nice. a belgian character with hop character and that was that was just you know a game changer for me, and so I was convinced. Yeah, you can make Hoppy Bells. but I, I I'm i sure you can go back and find where I said no, 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 you can't you can't combine the two, and it's just crap.
0: I don't know if you put that. Then, I on was the wrong. Case.
1: You know, same thing on the hazies. Hey, I'm wrong every once in a while. <laughs> Newsflash for you folks who are listening. <laughs> I make some mistakes, but hey. I try. All right. And I will tell you when I'm wrong. As long as I know that I was wrong, I'm sure I'll tell you. I I freely admit. Uh, Let's do this. One quick short break and we'll
0: be back right after this.
2: Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right. We're back. Uh, Brent in the
1: chat asks, hey, gentlemen, since it's about hop season, I've got a question. How would you go about designing a fresh wet hop beer? Unpredictable AA levels, alpha acid levels, and uh, flavors of wet hop is probably really different than their pellet form. Currently, we'll have a decent amount from my friend who is growing Newport, Southern Cross, and Maker hops suggestions, tips, ideas? I think it's a good question, Brent. I will say this. Yes, there's a huge difference between fresh hops and our wet hops. And uh, there's a difference between wet and fresh. Fresh is first first harvest that's dried. Wet is first harvest that wasn't dried at all. Then the pellet form, the, the substantial difference between AA levels is that uh, weight. So wet hops have seven times more water than pellet hops. So and you would need seven times more in general to get the same bittering values. So I would not use wet hops for bittering values. Uh, that was a question.
0: Can it still be a wet hop beer if you use some uh CTZ
1: bittering, wet hop for the I flavor? I think so. If if you're if if you're if you're just doing bittering with uh you know a hop charge of pellets or whatever. I think that's perfectly fine, you know. Wet hop beers are more about the expression of the wet hops in the flavor and aroma. Right. It's not a
0: single hop; just a wet hop.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I will say, I said this a previous show. Given this guy lots of lots of lots of press, but I was kind of impressed with this guy Adrian Cook from uh, Blue Lake Hops. He they have a method of packaging wet hops. So that they're like stable. Have you ever tried freezing wet hops? I feel like or anything you or, or even refrigerating them. Yeah, I'm okay. sure you
0: get lots of moisture in the package as it turn, comes out of the hops. To, they
1: break down, and turn to slime. Ooh, very quickly. Not good. And so this guy at the at the uh, at the AHA Homebrewers Conference in San Diego, he showed me these hops, and he 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 told me, "Oh, these were." were picked and packaged like i don't know it was like 6 months earlier whatever june versus august or september whenever they 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 harvested them and these things to me they were very very close to a hop you had just picked off a plant i was very surprised they were spongy you know like a like a yeah. like a hop cone is they were fresh there was no Breakdown of the the leaf matter, and he says they can ship year round wet hops. So I was I was pretty surprised. So uh, let's get back to Brent's question. Have either of you guys made made a wet hop beer? All right, I, uh, Go ahead, Michael, please, because I have not. My
3: my mom is quite the prolific hop grower, and she has Cascade going over her patio all over. It's huge, and so mm-hmm. I I grabbed a bunch of that. And what I can do, what I can say is, I yes, I I do the bittering. With hops, I have an alpha acid number four, so I can design the beer to have the right bitterness. I use the wet hops in the whirlpool, and then again in the dry hop. Also, shout out Brent; he's one of my he's in my homebrew club. So, what's up, Brent? And then, uh, but as far as wet hops go, I ended up with quite the kind of woody character that I can only attribute to you're not drying the hops, so a lot of those woody. Mere scene kind of flavors are still in the hops they haven't been driven off through the kilning process so i ended up i called it my stick beer because it was it had a lot of interesting Absolutely. flavors that you only get from wet hops i guess but that wood character was very present it did start to diminish over time as the beer ate but i was not i, I told myself if i ever made another one of these i was going to build a hop post and actually dry the hops that out in the porch and 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 then Drive off that un unwanted character to get to the good stuff, you know.
0: Right. Did you alter your technique with this wet hop? Did you hop it longer, shorter, blah blah blah? Obviously, seven x or four x more. But other I than
1: that, I think I
3: did. Yeah, I did. I did five times the weight. So I actually, it's crazy. I put a video up on my uh, Instagram brewery page where I'm I'm whirlpooling with like forty ounces of hops in a ten gallon kettle. <laughs> what is happening? And then I, uh, and then when I dry hopped, yeah, I had to go get like a whole nother pound of dry hops and or of hops and pick them off the vines. And I've got my whole living room is ripped up, has vines everywhere in the kitchen where I've been picking these. <laughs> it, it's just a wild. My hands were like yellow by the end of it, and I it said, was fun, but it was a lot.
1: I think yeah, you know, one of the things about the wet hops is there's some compounds in there that get. Driven off when they dry the hops, they, you know they they blow warm air through the hops, and I think it drives off some compounds that we're not used to in beer. And a lot of people, I tasty famously hated wet hop beers. He just like this is the most disgusting thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And so I think you know if you're in that camp, I would use the wet hops just in the boil kettle and let some of that stuff volatilize off. I think. Question on that, Jamil.
0: In the kettle sounds like a good reason for hop creep because these are unkilled, not even low-killing hops. Mm-hmm. So if you dry hop with wet hops, would you? Well, all right, So for if you whirlpool with wet hops, so you're bringing it warm enough to kill off that enzyme that may or may not give you hop creep versus if you dry hop, it's all there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get ALDC these days. I think that's the right product. Which I have some of it, haven't used. But what celebration has been a a wet hop beer forever, and LDC is relatively new. So, if you throw it in the kettle in your whirlpool, one sixty plus, are you preventing hop creep because of that temperature?
1: I don't think so. I think you get, I think you get hop creep from you know kiln hops as well.
3: That that is a good. That is a good point, though. I think if I ever, I'll rephrase what I said. If I ever do. Another wet hop beer using those hops. I'm going to make a style where I'm not dry hopping. Like I'll, I'll do a Pilsner or I'll do an American cream ale or something where it's wet hopped in the kettle. And I can see how that turns out. Yeah, I like that idea.
0: Oh, there You're welcome
3: to send me a bottle, please. I will. <laughs> uh, I got to go over and check them out. They're probably yeah. getting getting close to being ready.
1: So Brent calls you the big red-headed giant. So <laughs> clearly he's, he's met you before. Or seen you. Yeah. <laughs> <makes more> sense <laughs> now.
3: Yep. <laughs> he's cool. He does a lot of experimental beers. Like He did this beer where he threw a log in the wort just so he could let it ferment with whatever yeast was in the wood. Nice cool. log beer. Yeah, log beer. Great man. Yeah. I never right. heard what happened with that. But
1: Brent in the chat has a, has a second question. Again, if you're listening live, you get to uh, just click on the comment section of the the Facebook page and you can ask your questions live and we'll we'll try and get to all of them. Let's see here. He says that, what would your signature beer that people would know you for homebrewing? I can answer this for Travis. Yeah. Is is this a dirty diaper? I knew it. I knew you'd know it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Thank you.
1: Which is a a a black double IPA or I don't know, you know, it's like a Cascadian dark. Yeah. Cascadian dark but double IPA. I don't know. And it's a really good beer. He, he, Thank you. He's he's tweaked and, and refined that over the last decade and uh, really made made it into a great beer. Michael, what what about you? I think my claim to fame currently is my single
3: hazy. I call it Mosaic Implications. That's the one that nice. took first place at NHC's first round. Didn't do so hot at the final round, but you know, I'm
0: just I, good style beer. for a second round, et cetera, and, and shipping all the above.
3: Oh yeah. yeah. And but I'm I'm really proud of that beer. I I I do uh the non-GMO tropical yeast from White Labs that I think makes the beer just up a notch and then I do a Mosaic. I know, I do a yeah, it's Mosaic. Simcoe and Idaho Seven, which gives a really neat, interesting flavor profile that I just think is. It, like I guess it doesn't taste like normal, like a some of the hazy's that you buy. Uh, I I could see the comments on Facebook where eighty percent aren't that good, but that sounds. That's
1: delicious. why I
3: make them. That's why I make them myself. Yeah, and, and sounds delicious to of, me. Yeah, yeah I love a lot those. Of So I'm I'm a hop head. I won't lie. So yeah, my hazies are kind of my my hallmark that I really really want people to appreciate that style because it's like for me it's a lot of fun and a lot mm-hmm. more uh, a lot more room to express different traits and stuff and, and you know haze, haze degree malt profiles yeast selection it, it for me that's where i get my fun making classic styles is all good but this hazy stuff is is the it's like an ocean of possibilities
1: that i now have. now for me you're going to have to tell me. I, I don't know. What would my signature beer be that people would know me for in Homebrew? Well, yeah. well, before I knew you, Jamil, it
0: was obviously, uh drew a blank just like that. Probably have a can of it somewhere around here. Uh, evil Twin. Uh, but once I'm you went pro, I mean, uh, Shallow Grave, outstanding and a medal. Evil Cousin, evil Magnificent three. West Coast IPA.
3: Evil Three is the beer that, like, it made me, like, I tried that beer. I was like, wow. Like, <laughs>
0: Oh, hang on. Hang on. I think I think
1: I would hope that people would remember me for Evil 3 because, of course, that's not homebrew. (sighs) True that. But but, uh, you know, because it's tasty, it's Mitch Steele. It's you know, there's so much personal. Michael Ferguson. Oh, my God.
0: Mufasa. Hey, Mufasa. Oh, worry. Yes. I don't know if you had a homebrew version of it.
1: Uh, this beer's outstanding. No, that was that, that was like the second or third beer we brewed when we started Heretic was Worry. It was a Chardonnay barrel-aged Belgian golden with Brett and really, really a great beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, of all the beers, you know, that we made at Heretic, I actually have some of that in my, my fridge because, you know, they're not going to make anymore.
0: When it runs out, I'm going to
1: cry. Yeah. Michael Ferguson, we should have him on the show. Uh huh. Says so that's that's the issue. 80% of the hazies just aren't that good. <laughs> I imagine, you know, he, he and I go you know, back and forth on uh on decoction, you know. And uh he's he's a uh he's an excellent brewer and uh just wonderful person. And uh I imagine that he is not that pleased with with Hazy's in general. <laughs> Although, you know, he's an honest dude. So if he, mm-hmm. if he tastes something and it tastes good, he'll tell you it tastes good. I'll send him and, and,
0: Well, part of a uh, legacy, you might say, but that's kind of uh, premature to say it, I guess. He, he's brewed uh, he's at Gordon Beers for many years, right?
1: Yeah, and then it was uh, when I met BJ's. him, he was in Las Vegas at, oh, I, I can't remember the name of it. It wasn't triple seven or
0: whatever it is in Vegas, he never Michael, mentioned it. Still listening, forgot those uh, days. Uh, where where yeah. are
1: you brewing in Vegas? I met him in Vegas. Um, it was funny. I had so many entries to, second round entries to ship that I got like a giant marine igloo cooler uh to to pack all of them in there and then ship this giant igloo cooler to Las Vegas. And I went to the brewery that he was he was the head brewer at. And uh, went in and he was just like, it's like, dang, he's like, if nobody's going to take this, he's like, I'd love to, I'd love to have this, <laughs> this brand new giant igloo cooler. And oh, then well. I showed up and I was like, Hey, that's my cooler. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I took my cooler back, but he, yeah, I, I think I, maybe I owe him my cooler, but I remember it was, it was some sort of rye beer that he was brewing there. That was just spectacular. It was like the greatest rye beer I think I've ever had. and and he it was it was his recipe and his, his and he brewed it. I remember going into his fermentation room. There was like a sealed you know door. and when you went through, there was a tray of sanitizer that you had to step in to sanitize your shoes before you could walk into his fermentation room. This is one of the reasons that I'll tell you why this guy's because <laughs> sure, he looks out for all the details. He wants to make yeah. sure that everything's perfect, you know, in the, in the fermentation.
0: He's, he's doing a lot to support the homebrew community here in Houston these days. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's available constantly to answer questions, critique, et cetera, tell you what you need, tell you what you do. He
1: always has.
0: Yeah, he's outstanding. Super,
1: super nice guy. All right, let's see here. Time for break number two and take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this.
2: Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong.
1: All right, we're back. We're answering your live questions. A uh, lot of good, a lot of good questions in the chat already. And we haven't, we haven't uh, had a lot of chance to get to your questions because you can send your questions in. If you can't participate live, you can send uh, email, uh, Bruce Strong at the brewing network.com. You can send your questions in. If you send your questions in now, I'm giving preferential treatment to the latest questions, And, uh, you know, and then we're only mixing in a few of the older questions. So uh, I will get to every question that is ever sent into the show but uh, sometimes it it may take some time. Let's see here. Uh, John says, there are so many different yeast nutrients now. I still use Servo. Should I change it up? Mm. What are you guys using?
3: I uh, actually only use nutrients in the starter and I will do a gram per 100 billion started. And it's Fermato, which I bought at Fruit Chatter RIP. But he talked me into, RJ talked me into trying that out and it's worked really well. I think it really helps with
1: I like I like fermato. It's um essentially amino acids and and other nitrogen that the yeast can take up in organic form. It's super helpful if you're making meads, ciders, things like that that has, or if you're using a lot of adjunct sugar, something like a a, a Belgian where you're putting maybe 20% sugar in, you, you you need to supplement the the uh the fan. Okay.
0: So but you don't um,
1: use any during the main ferment. How about you, Travis? Sorry, Mike, because I
0: really want to come back and ask you that question too about that. But uh, I, I use a, I use white yeast product that's a mix of dead yeast, etc., for my starters. But for when I when I pitch and repitch, it's it's sync all the way. We had a discussion about that, and I made a calculator about that that I probably didn't share a few discussions back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I remember so starters, sorry, Mike. No, I said I remember. Yeah, yeah. You remember that I didn't share it? I think I was supposed to share well, it. I, I forgot. <laughs> until just you now. bastard. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I use the y yeast stuff. It's because I just use a pinch in my little, uh, not in the starter, but also in my starter work because I I wake up my yeast on a repitch, But specifically on brew day, I'm using a, a zinc heptahydrate, mm-hmm. which is easier to deal with than a monohydrate by far that's that's my nutrients
1: you mean like seven times more
0: close to it yeah. that h2o is a lot bigger than that z
1: hepta seven
0: seven heptas versus seven water
1: molecules yeah. versus one mono, water molecule yeah
0: so one zinc one of the lonely yeah. zinc yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah, it makes it a little easier when you're, you know, as a homebrew, you could, you could use either, either way, you're going to have to dilute it with water because you don't want to overdose on, on zinc, any nutrient you need to be careful with, because one of the issues is if you provide too much free amino nitrogen, your ferments are going to be too aggressive and are going to race and you're going to end up with a lot of hot alcohols. So if you listen to the previous show where I bring up this paper, amino acid permeases in their influence on flavor compounds in beer. They mention it in there, but the the issue is there's generally enough free amino nitrogen in an all-malt wort. So you don't need to provide more to the yeast. So you you should be fine in that when you're fermenting for flavor. If you provide too much, the fermentation is going to race. So it's going to produce these, these amino acids are going to pr- produce additional flavor compounds that you don't want. Uh, Michael's using it in his starters. You're not drinking the starter wort. You're not going to include that in your in your beer. You're going to, you know, let you're going to decant the yeast from that starter and just use the yeast. And so you're fine there. But if you if you add too much, you know, a lot of times people will throw in a lot of, uh, you know, adapt or, you know, uh, things like that. And that's going to be too much. And you're going to end up kind of screwing up your your ferment. So uh, your flavor profile, should I say. So you want to be careful with that. You know, zinc is an important nutrient, especially you know, when it comes to and and one of the reasons I always supplemented zinc is because the zinc and other compounds that can take the place of zinc in yeast, it's dependent on where the malt was grown, the soil conditions, things like that. Because the 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 the, the barley plant takes it up from the ground into the into the the, the barley that you use, and it's going to vary depending on the you know the conditions that it was grown in. And so you don't want to be deficient on that. That's a, a key part of fermentation, but you also don't want to overdo it either, which is Travis was talking about using heptahydrate, which has, you know, it's seven times the weight of monohydrate. So it makes it a little easier to to work with in that you're measuring larger amounts, but again, Larger amounts in the homebrew homebrew world is you're talking okay. about you know milligrams of of this stuff. So it doesn't take much. So you what you do is you you measure out a, a bit, you you mix it in you know some sterile water you know in a liter of water, and then you use however many mills of that solution per per batch. It makes it much easier. So yeah. Yeah, let's see here. Joe from uh, Thailand, he was asking about, again about, we talked about recirculating the hops, dry hops in the fermenter in the previous show. And he was asking about what type of pump is good for you know dry hops and agitating dry hops. Yeah, at Heretic, we used a uh, standard brewery pump, low oxygen brewery pump. For the recirculation of uh, of the fermenter, uh, we talked about doing a peristaltic pump, and as long as you have tubing that is not oxygen permeable, you should be fine with a peristaltic pump on the homebrew scene. I'm not sure what material would be the best. Don't use silicone; it really allows a lot of oxygen through. So,
0: but is isn't it a shame that a lot of the uh, newer tubing you wouldn't want to put in the peristaltic and we have glass line tubing these days, right? Super impermeable, but I don't think it will survive with
1: peristaltic. Right. You need, you need flexible tubing to yeah. the, the rotors going around. It squishes the tubing and, it, you know, pinches the tubing and then pushes the liquid forward until the next pinch, you know, essentially grabs it and pushes it forward. There's, generally three of those things in a peristaltic right.
0: So I don't do what Michael said, but I'm a big fan of what he said. And I, I know you do it. You have done it in certain instances on the pro level of using something like CO2, hmm. disturb it and knock it up. Right.
1: Yeah. You could, you, you could, don't s- need
0: to pull it out and redump it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. No? The, pro- the problem is Truly getting it stirred. Yeah, I could sure. see blowing CO2 through the bottom or nitrogen through yeah. the bottom, depending on how pure your nitrogen is. Even CO2 has oxygen in it. Nitrogen, depending how pure it is. Even then, a little bit of oxygen, not a not a problem because there's a ton of yeast in there. But yeah, you could blow it up through the bottom and stir it. Just depends. You know, most of my experience with this is in the commercial world and You'd be shocked at, you know, how big these cones are and how difficult it is to stir up everything from the cone. And and really, you know, even just um, when it comes to multi-batching into a large fermenter, one of the problems that happens is the beer doesn't get stirred up enough. You can pump it in there and it just forms a layer up at the top. Yeah. And then you get a, a like a thermocline, and then your yeah. your uh, temperature sensors go off, and it, it's just a huge problem in the commercial uh, industry. So, one of the great things about home and I've said this over and over, is that you can manhandle your mm-hmm. or woman handle your uh, your fermenters. So whatever your hands look like, manhandling <laughs> hands, whatever they look like, doesn't matter. <laughs> Whatever it is, we're all fine with that. But, yeah. you know, you could take your hands and uh, you could, you know, grab a, a conical fermenter and you could swirl it around, too. I do. So that. So yeah. if you were blowing, you know, CO2 up through the bottom to to get stuff up there and then you swirled it a bit, I, I think that would work. So, no, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good point, Travis.
0: Sorry, I, I have one thing to add, but Michael hasn't had a chance to say anything.
1: So, uh, we don't care about Michael. he's
0: <laughs> we love him his,
1: his intro was terrible, so we're we we're, we're own that though I own that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's be glad he's not keeping score tonight, Michael because I think we both suck, but anyway,
3: uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I, right, right. especially I had point. a couple I did have a couple of questions about pumping because I can imagine on a hundred and twenty barrel fermenter, any. You know, purging the lines of, of of oxygen and stuff isn't quite as imperative as it might be on the homebrew scale, where you know the volume of that tubing is is non-zero for a tiny little fermenter, in five gallon, even a two gallon, whatever. So I was curious, maybe for the homebrewer out there, if you had any good ideas to purge the pump and the suction and feed and discharge line of air before you, you know, a good way to prime the pump or something. Mm-hmm. I was thinking. You might even like turn that thing on and basically let it spill out and then yeah. turn it off yeah. and then hook Absolutely. it up. Is that
1: Yeah, you'd hook it up, squirt a little bit out and then hook it up.
3: I know how much you like squirting a little bit out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, see, so...
1: now you you fit right in. Hey. Squirt a little bit out your hose and then you hook it up. Yeah, every time what?
0: I... I... <laughs> you can't be that far off to what you do when you transfer your work, uh, your beer, Michael. You know, like uh, when I hook my hoses up, my hoses have been sanitized, purged with CO2, capped mm-hmm. off the ends. Uh, I bet you're doing something at least as good as what I'm doing, because your yeah. uh, your your number one style is NEPA, It's far more critical than my number one style, which is a black double IPA. No one's gonna see a couple of degrees Play-Doh. So yeah, yeah so, I mean, pur- you sanitize your lines, purge your lines, design a system that can be capped off. And then flush it with the, the the beer before you start doing the recycle.
3: Right. Yeah. I yeah. For me, when I transfer, like if I'm racking, I will actually have a a partially carbon a partially pressurized keg, and I actually will hook up. So I'm like pushing CO two out of my racking tube as I hook it up. Same so thing. A little bit like, and then I seal it all up.
0: My, my hoses are pre-purged with CO two and capped off to a degree, and yeah. my keg is pressurized and blah blah blah. Hook it all up. But so the only thing I can add, and one thing I get a knock on that that actually currently seems to be a bonus, I use hop screens because I can't stand to deal with plugged up kegs trying to transfer beer in and out. I just don't have the patience for it. It just freaks me out that I'm just going to screw up my entire be- beer. So my my current hop screens are slightly customized and they're narrow enough to fit end-to-end horizontal in my fermenter. And they are right now in my fermenter at the top. Hops are in solution. They're not at the bottom, sitting on top of the yeast cake. So where I get knocks because oh, you got the microscope hop screen, you won't get you won't get it. blah blah blah, your beer won't see it. Mine are floating my beer, not at the bottom of beer. And I did my second dry hop tonight, and I added my second tube, and the first tube's floating there right at the top. So two days ago, when I dry hopped, which is a long ass time in modern modern hopping. It's been sitting there in the beer the whole time, not at the bottom, not on top of the cone, in the beer. The one I did tonight, I expected the same thing. I won't see this one because next thing I'm gonna do is transfer after I chill after a couple of days. But so my hop screens
1: are in the mix, not at the bottom,
0: yeah. not seeing
1: much of the beer. The problem is how big is your hop screen? Well, small enough
0: so they can, they can be uh, horizontal. Yeah. Because uh, the eleven inch are too tall and wouldn't fit okay. in my my smaller one, so these are just like ten nine three quarters. So they can be parallel in Across my the fermenter. the
1: entire fermenter. Yes, right. See, I yeah. think that would be fine if you were recirculating the beer. And the the problem is, you know, you know, um, I'm sure you've seen you know fermentation where all the if anybody's done it in a carboy where you see the oh, yes. the, the bits oh. of yeast and everything swirling around. That's, that's what, what I miss about with the stainless. with the hops. And I miss that and about staying You only need so that. See that. You only need that for a few hours. Yeah. and and that really extracts everything. If if it's all sitting there in one one spot, I think that's that's the issue. I think you're doing better than you know letting it all sit in the bottom of the cone. But but I think you know everybody would do better to you know quickly yes. extract the the good good stuff out of the the hops. You and not disagree. Get rid of get rid of the leaf matter. The leaf matter yeah, is not, not your friend, I think.
3: Well, last question I got. So humber scale and commercial scale, I guess maybe they're the same, but where is your suction for your pump coming from? Is it the racking
1: tube? Is it the bottom of the cone?
0: No, it's got to be your racking tube. You gotta, you gotta pull above the yeast.
1: That's a, that's a good question. And I'll tell you what, I will answer that right
0: after this short break.
2: Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong.
1: All right, we're back. I was going to answer the question. That, you know where where do you pull off of the bottom of the fermenter the the racking arm? So in a, I guess in homebrew conicals they have a racking arm. They're designed very similarly to commercial uh, fermenters. So it's a racking arm that is midway up the cone that turns. It's a, it's a curved arm that turns, and you can point it down lower in the in the fermenter or bring it up, you know, to clear the yeast or you know wherever you want to do it. Uh, we I'm not sure where we ended up on this because the the point is so we would first drop the yeast and get the yeast out of there because we would use the yeast to pitch other beers. And then we would dry hop because once the hops are mixed in, you can't really repitch that yeast. So I I would have to to look back to see what we ended up doing. But we tried both off the bottom and the racking arm. And I I think my initial feeling was, let's just pull off the bottom. And I'm pretty sure that's what we ended up doing was we just stuck with pulling directly off the bottom. Yeah. Because once we had dropped the yeast, it really didn't matter, and a, you know a little bit of yeast recirculating around is no big deal, but we wanted to make sure we really cleared the cone, and with the racking arm, you're not going to clear the cone, and we wanted to you know have it as homogeneous as possible. And then, if you're a commercial brewer and you're, you're looking at doing this, you know you don't even have to let the beer settle. It depends on what kind of centrifuge you're using, but if you have a centrifuge. You can recirculate the beer for three hours or however many hours it takes you to get a nice, good exchange and extract from the hops. And then you can or you can even do it longer and then just go straight to the centrifuge where everything's in suspension. So you can your centrifuge can can pull out the hops and all that, depending on the centrifuge you have. And, you know, get your, your, your beer clear like that. If you don't have a centrifuge or you're not doing that, I mean, we ended up just letting it settle overnight, then drop, dropping the hops. And then we would run the centrifuge with, from the racking arm and avoid the the mass of uh, hot matter and yeast and stuff like that.
0: We were making super hobby beers. Yes. Other than that, I feel like you're showing off, maybe stroking a little bit, you know. Sorry,
3: I I would also think too. Like you, you you charge the hops, dry hop, and then kick the pump on. Don't let it all get to the bottom, and then try to kick a pump on because you're gonna just clog. Right. I would I would say it's the hops are in and then pump on right away. I'm honestly, you got me thinking. I want to try to if I can find a good pump online. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. You should should give it a go. Little homebrew setup. Oh, let's see right here. We got a question from uh, Spencer who says, Hi, Jamal. I'm currently head brewer at a small brewery in the KC area.
0: Kansas City.
1: I love Kansas City.
0: Is that why you selected the question?
1: No. This is uh, June 2nd, 2023. A great barbecue, great beer, great people, great football. You know, it's a great town, great baseball. uh, Great uh, MLS now, you know, great, great place. One of these days, Travis, I'm going to get you out there.
0: Absolutely. I'm ready for it. I think <laughs> T-Raps a bit young, but yeah, I want to go. We're going to go for a football game.
1: The number of times he told me he's ready for it and then really wasn't. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I will leave the name out in case I'm not here in six years when you get to this on the air. <laughs> I'm a stickler for knockout uh, PH. And uh, I'm wondering if through your pro years and ungodly spreadsheet progress, there's a mirror that is mere mortals can only dream to obtain. If you ever found a way to more accurately calculate the aciditions for wort acidification, none of the calculators for water seem to even get close due to the fact that you have water chem and the buffering capacity of the sugars and other problems or other proteins in the wort against uh, against you. I have been using Beersmith's mash acid calculator. And while that has been uh, dead on a couple of times, it tends to be hit or miss, sometimes way over or way under. Uh yeah, guys theories
0: think? and
3: questions.
1: Now both what of I you have? guys probably use Beersmith, yes? I do. You do?
3: I have Michael does not I use I use Palmer's water profile app. Oh, oh, nice! The one uh, he he offer in the water boat. Mm-hmm. Or but
1: it's
3: it's, like, it's on my phone. I can just bang bang. Oh, go. nice.
1: Now, do you do do you feel like? It gives you? Have you tried BeerSmith? I have not. I actually use my own spreadsheet where I right grab the. So you like me? Yeah. You try the free stuff and you, and you and you just make your own stuff.
3: Yeah, I read the book and then I go. Oh, there's the equation. I can integrate that into a spreadsheet or spreadsheet. Something. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Now, Travis, I, I, what do you how do you feel about uh, how how well does Beersmith do when you're brewing a new style of beer that you've never brewed before? How how close does it get you when you're when you're brewing a new beer, your your acid addition and, and all that?
0: All right. So it, it, it's two part answer because your question is not the same as our gentleman's uh, question. The answer is on mash. Beersmith has two calculators. One is is Beer way. way, uh, and you had a. Uh, I need I need to listen to it. You you had a podcast with him recently, right? Uh huh. Yeah, I, I need to ha- I need to listen to that. I, I'd love to listen to that because I do use his software exclusively. Uh, you should get
1: him on this show. I'm gonna make myself a note.
0: Don't do you it don't. at three in the afternoon, so maybe Michael and I can join it. But anyway, <laughs> but but uh, his his software gives you his calc, and it gives you. Uh, Bruins Calc. What, what's his name? The gentleman that does the, the Bruins spreadsheet. It's, mm-hmm. Anyway, he gives you two uh, counts. Tie, I think so. Yeah. His, his software lets you select. I use the acid edition that puts me dead center between the two, and I am real close to balls on every time, especially uh, with bigger beers. Uh, I mean, if one says I need three mls of phosphoric, one says I need six L's of phosphor, I'm adding 4.5. I'm I'm usually targeting 5.2 on the mash. And here's my clarification. And and I get real close to 5.2 on the mash. But our, our gentleman's question was on knockout, and none of the above talks about knockout. All of the above talks about mash, not knockout. Post hmm. screwing. Well,
3: knockout
1: is going to be dependent on you know the boil. Yes, how vigorously you are uh, boiling,
0: and maybe your whirlpool hops, etc.
1: Yeah, there's 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 some you know uh, inputs into that. Uh, Although you know, knockout pH only drops a little bit,
3: and versus mash pH.
1: Yes.
0: So you hop you, you you a hefty dose of uh, bittering hops and a great whirlpool, and your yeah, pH. Yeah, but is, if you
1: if you have a high mash pH, you're gonna have a high knockout pH.
0: I have a five two mash pH almost every time, and I have a five four knockout if I don't add more acid. Hmm. Interesting. But that's that's yeah. anecdotal. My my data blah blah blah. It's not science. It's nothing like that. All but right. um. Anyway.
1: Well, uh, what we need to do is get Brad on here and uh, and discuss this in depth. All right, Michael.
3: Well, I don't know, from the water guy, I guess, that's my job. But I would say a couple things. Knockout pH, I'm having trouble really determining the drastic importance of that because right after you knock out, you're going to pitch yeast, and yeast are going to go to town adjusting the pH to whatever they want. I mean, I almost think it would be more if you're trying to build – in, in how to brew, I took a note here. Achieving the particular beer pH starts with the water chemistry and the mash pH. And that's John Palmer from his book to your ears. I would, so I, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And so and he also says, like, you know, if you're 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 doing these beers and you're getting to where you feel like you're getting all the flavors of what you're doing, your pH is where it should be for the final beer pH. And uh, I just think if you really wanted to do it, though, like you wanted to nail your – the only way I can see, especially because, like you said, this is a soup of probably thousands of different molecules interacting with each other. There's real no way to construct a model to hit it dead nuts on first try. You're going to have to iteratively right. adjust yeah. and, and, and bracket, as they say in the, in the I mortar. I feel
1: the same way about IBU. You now, know? There's no – calculator that can really uh identify it you know you you hit it right in one model you're gonna miss on on some some other technique so right that's that's an excellent point all right so what we should do is have Palmer on here so you can Michael you can you can rail him with all your your water questions
3: I wouldn't rail him I would say I mean
1: i right. i have a you know. <laughs> how how many people have railed him I'm just saying i don't know Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I really? like John, and I don't know if he
0: understands my humor, so I will say nothing.
1: <laughs> he doesn't understand my humor so uh, but
0: he likes you too but it's, yeah, it's, yeah, not, yeah, it's two know, ways for y'all
1: sixteen you know? years I, through i i i don't think <laughs> he's I don't think, he I think he's zinger. used to
3: he's used to my stupid humor he he's no he's he's come back with Singer back in, yeah. <laughs> he brings the heat with the inappropriate jokes. I'm just saying
1: All right, we're gonna squeeze in one more question for William because he is asking live in the chat, which is uh, you know if you're if you're listening live, you can go to uh, Facebook and listen live and you can uh, click on that comment section. And then you can ask your questions or you can listen, you can see everybody else asking their questions. William asks a uh, jockey box question. What do you recommend when storing between pouring? Some recommend storing a solution of star sand in lines and coils cold plate. I haven't had issues with star sand and quality stainless, but I've had issues with star sand and beer lines. Star sand and beer are both acidic, but star sand surfactant concerns me. Um, I'm I, I'm gonna and jump in. Gonna give gonna, me a shot first. He's a chemi, <laughs> right? But the surfacant, I don't it's know. Back the issue, right? The it's not nec- not necessarily the issue, but the uh, you know uh, the acidity. Sure, you know, star sand is far more acidic than beer, and this is where I would you know ask Palmer for how does this interact with metal? And Hold up, Mike, the the issue the issue would be. You know, any sort of air liquid interface on the metal is going to be a problem. It's going to corrode at that point for sure. I. Yeah,
0: I know part of what Mike's going to say.
1: OK, well, all right,
0: right Mike. Dissimilar metals and acid.
1: I was going to say, well, there's no dissimilar is- metals in there.
0: He's got the whole jockey box. He's got tubes, he's got clamps, he's got faucets, he's got a cold plate slash coil. There's some dissimilar metals in there, and it's not going to be a good thing.
1: Well, do dissimilar metals need to be adjacent to each other?
0: No, they don't. That that that's, that acid will be the bridge. That, oh. That's what makes a battery. No.
1: I mean, how how far apart?
0: Oh, 100, 100 miles doesn't matter. Salt water, corrosion, yeah. bam. It's not going to be good.
1: And, and that's where my
3: recommendation as the resident chemical engineer is to dry everything thoroughly Mm -hmm. store it dry have it completely like blown air no water you're going to get better corrosion characteristics your hoses aren't going to turn color because of the star sand which i've seen happen with mine yeah Uh, you're not going to have any of that because it's dry and dry is good for you know it actually has a lot of you know Antimicrobial thing as long as it's dry and it's not damp and it's not mm-hmm. got a bunch of food hanging
1: out on it. If but, it's but, clean but, and dry, you should end up with a very nice, ready to rock jockey the, box. The, the trick is trying to get any coil dry.
0: Yeah, well, I can tell you, humidity so, here sucks balls.
1: Right, but, and, yeah. but you, you you can you can try and drain any coil of metal, and unless it's perfectly designed, <laughs> there's always there's always some more you know yeah. liquid that comes out of it every time you blow on it you get more you can you can store your your uh, counterflow chiller and you know a year later you you thought you blew it all out and a year later you can blow some more liquid out so but it, it, it,
0: it's, faster. It's, it's very
1: difficult to get it dry but i, I agree 100 with michael you need to get it dry so if you if you can get the get the liquid out of there it's going to be much better I, I don't think the surfactant it is a concern. Soap, yeah, it's soap. Yeah. Yeah, it's no big deal. Especially, you know, uh, but get it dry, get it clean and dry if you can. The problem with the jockey box is you're going to have to at least turn it upside down. You know, if you blow air through it or CO2 through it or whatever you want to blow through it in one direction, you're going to have to flip it over and then blow it again and then come back a few weeks later and try it again, and you'll get more liquid out. It'll always be impossible to get it completely dry. Yeah. But star sand, it's fine. I mean, water is not bad. You know, it's, it's okay once you sanitize it to, to rinse it with you know clean water, but yeah, it's fine. The, the trick with a jockey box is to use it frequently. Yep. Drink more gotta beer. Have, your wife gotta have more parties. Gotta have more function. Yes. William. It's it, the, yeah. the problem is storing it for a long time. If you're gonna store it for a long time, like Michael's saying, it's got to be dry.
3: Yeah, and I would I would finish with at at the when you're getting it out of the garage to use it again. I'd almost go through the entire cleaning and sanitizing process again, right? Just
1: to be sure, and
3: then you're not gonna have any problems with flavor. Yeah.
1: But quality stainless will, will help. And, and one of the things about storing it dry is, you know, the, the layer that's stainless will build up. Passivated. The natural passivation that will occur occurs with air. So you, 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 you get it clean. Uh, so there's no protein or anything built up on it and you expose it to air and it will passivate itself. So it'll, it'll improve its own resistive abilities to, uh, to all, the, the, all the problems. So hopefully, uh, William, that, that helps you. Thanks for, for tuning in live. Thanks for asking a question. We really appreciate everybody who listens. And uh, if you appreciate this show, please, please send an email to feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and tell John Blickman how much you appreciate the show. Because he's paying for the show. So uh, if you don't tell him how much you enjoy it, eh, he may stop paying for it. So please uh, make sure you you let him know that that you appreciate it. We really appreciate you. We appreciate that uh, that you listen. We appreciate that you ask questions. Again, if you have questions and you can't tune in live, you can uh, send them to uh, brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. And, uh, we're actually getting to the new ones really quick. We're not, we're not, uh, leaving them too sour for, uh, decades. We will get, we, we're, we're able to keep up now, uh, at least, at least right now we're able to keep up. So ask your questions or, you know, pay attention to, uh, you know, um, uh, social media, Facebook. I, I posted on, uh, Jamal Zainashef on Facebook. I posted on, uh, Mastodon under. I don't know, Jamel Chef, Mr. Malty, one or the other. Twitter, it's Mr. Malty. Instagram, Mr. Jamel Chef. Travis is the beer ambassador on uh, Twitter? Twitter, it's I think, yeah. T C Comble. The beer
0: ambassador.
1: The beer ambassador. The beer ambassador. Yeah, I made up that yeah. stupid
0: word about two decades
1: ago. Yeah, yeah there you go. The Facebook, yes. all that. And then Michael, what about you?
3: On Instagram, I'm South Reno Fermentary, so all one word, or no, actually there's underscores, South Reno Fermentary and then on on, uh,
1: Underscores, a couple of ampersands, yeah Yeah, yeah. all kinds of stuff, (laughs) because you know, you gotta
3: But that's where I actually posted about the show that was gonna be on today, there, and so I think that's why some of my I had one of the guys I know post about it There you go,
1: pretty cool I I will link you if I know what your social medias are there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, well, thank you, everyone. I uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. I appreciate everybody listening on the podcast. I appreciate uh, our co host, uh, Travis Campbell, Michael Person. Appreciate appreciate all the effort everybody puts out into this, and especially Job Lickman for paying for this. So thank you, John. The rest of the world. Thanks, John. Up to. <laughs> all right. Till then, everybody, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong. Keep on brewing strong.